All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to On the Pitch Pod. It is Leo on October 19th, around 5.30 p.m. I am not joined today by my co-host, Patrick. As you all know, he is away in Spain, and scheduling has been a little bit difficult the past couple weeks. I had to work about 60 hours a week for two weeks there, and just given the you know different time zones and things, it was, we were not able to find a good time for the two of us to get on, but I figured today I'll hop on, I'll get a quick episode out, not going to go too deep into any of the topics, but wanted to make sure we got something out for you all. Thankfully, we didn't miss too much the past two weeks. We had the international break, U.S. picking up some key wins there, seeing some young players, as always, picking up where they left off, and it was good to see that Craig was getting these three points, and I think we sit second place with half the games left to play, so... I'm really excited about that, a big win against Costa Rica there, but we'll just go into this. I'm going to try and touch on as many things as I can, but like I said, this is going to be a short and quick episode. If you don't already, please follow us at On The Pitch Pod on Twitter as well. And yeah, I'm going to start with the team that I put number one in my power rankings. I know that might have been a little bit biased, but I really do think at the moment with the way... Liverpool's been playing. I do think that we deserve that number one spot, so I put them there. It was uh, a tough decision, like I said in my notes, that I said that loss to Juve bumped Chelsea down for me. If it was not for that loss, I think Chelsea would have took the top spot for the power rankings, but for my liking and the way that Liverpool's been playing in the Champions League, it seems like the front three have really been combining well the past couple of weeks, and Mosalah is just a man in form right now. He's been a man in form since we got him, and I truly do think at the moment he's he's the best player in the league. He always gets snuffed out for a PFA Player of the Year by that man Kevin De Bruyne, and you can always make that argument. But I think right now he just broke a club record today. He scored again in Champions League today, and he broke a club record today. First man to score in nine straight club appearances. So congratulations to him and. We got that big thrashing at Watford on the weekend, and good to see Firmino get three goals there, you know, true striker goals. And then Mo did Mo, did Mo things. He showed why everyone, he's absolute class, a repeat of that Man City goal, a repeat of his Watford goal a few years ago. And he's just a man that every time he gets the ball right now, you could see it. He's got all the confidence in the world. He's going at everyone that he possibly can. And today he goes past three or four, a lot of goal players. And I think Milner should have been credited for that goal. He clearly touched the ball, but they wanted to give my man Mo the goal. So they gave him the goal and a crazy game today as well. If you guys didn't have the opportunity to watch that, I had a slower day of work. So I was able to watch the entire game. And off off the bat, I thought we were about to stroll to a 5 nothing victory. We get two quick goals and then... Things turn around quickly. They tie the game up. And after that, Alisson really kept us in the game. We honestly looked pretty crappy for parts of that game. And that's that's what we paid big money for a goalie for. And he ends up being the X factor, in my opinion, to help us get that win. Uh, the penalty kick, I don't know what the Atletico defenders doing there. Yota had no business of even getting into a scoring position from that ball played over the top. But that's the way it goes. I, I It was a pretty obvious clear penalty for me he literally looked at Yota and just ran him over so I don't know what he's doing a mental lapse something that Diego Simeone he's not going to be happy about they're playing down the man an unfortunate red card for 
Antoine Griezmann, which I thought was the right choice. He did end up cleating Firmino in the side of the head. and It was an accident, but that's the rules of the game. And then a uh, penalty scare on our side. Thankfully, I think the ref did make the right choice. Maybe my bias is showing again, but I thought it looked like a pretty clear dive to me. I think most people will agree on that. So we go top of the group in the Champions League. We pick up a big 5 nothing victory over the weekend. All our guys are firing on all cylinders. Sadio Mane scored his 100th Premier League goal over the weekend. So I really like what's going on. I know squad depth is going to be an issue, but even Naby Keita scoring some goals here lately, and he scored another banger today. He is a defensive liability. I do have to point that out. Uh, two of the Atletico goals were just brutal defending by him, and he ends up getting subbed off. But we'll see what this team can do. We're firing in all cylinders, like I said, and a big game against Manchester United at Old Trafford coming up on the weekend. I, I think we're going to win that game. I'm sure Manchester United fans might think otherwise, but I think we're the team in form right now. I think Manchester United is the team falling apart, and I will touch on that in a little bit. That's going to take up a pretty good chunk of the episode here. I want to talk about my changing stance on Ali and the current state of things at Manchester United, and we'll get to that. Uh, real quick, we're going to go into Manchester City. They look phenomenal. Uh, just absolutely thrashed this morning against Club Bruges. They played the earlier game, and they're just scoring goals like Pep's side scores. Beautiful passing, beautiful interplay, and guys are getting goals and scoring bangers. So I don't have too much to add on them. Uh, I think right now my top three in my power rankings would stay unchanged. I had Liverpool... Chelsea and then Manchester City. Uh, Maybe I can move Manchester City up, but I'm going to leave it for now. I think Chelsea deserve that two spot. They are in first place in the league, so I'm going to leave that for now. Over the weekend, they grind out that game that never really ended up being too close for them. They were playing Burnley, 2-0 win. I think Kevin De Bruyne scored a pretty nice goal in that one. So they're taking care of business like we all expected. They're not letting up many goals. They're playing beautiful passing. They don't really need that striker, which I thought was going to be the issue for them. Uh, we thought that was going to be the issue for them last year. And turns out it, it doesn't really matter who's playing the nine, the false nine with this team. Anyone can do it. It seems like if they wanted Kevin DeBorna to play the false nine one day, I bet it would work out just fine. I think he might have in the past. So, yeah, Pep, Pep has those guys buzzing, and they look like – They're going to be contending for that top spot, as we all expected to. And now is my moment. I'm sure Manchester United fans that listen to this podcast have been frustrated with me, always backing Ali. But I think that day is finally starting to change. I think he has some serious issues with what he's doing with the squad selection. I think he has some serious issues with the roles that he's given some of these players. I think... The, the play seems too dependent on getting the ball to these star players and seeing what they can do with them. I feel like they're not getting that nice link-up play and nice build-up play. I think it's a lot of self-moments of brilliance from some of these guys, and I think I think the work rate needs to improve on the field. And we'll start off with my biggest issue, and I think I have touched base on this a little bit. I don't think the formation that they're playing – suits the players that they have I know he wants to have as many attacking players out there but I also don't think Paul Pogba should be playing this holding midfield role 
he's played that role for Manchester United in the past, and he didn't play too well. And then Ali found himself playing Paul Pogba a little bit out wide more, giving him more freedom to roam. And that's where he saw him at his best in a Manchester United jersey was him playing in that more free role outside. But he's back in that holding midfield role. It's not going well. His form has dropped off recently. I have him in Fantasy Premier League, so I'm not too happy about that. But that's a big concern. My next biggest concern is his squad selection in general. I don't understand why this man feels the need to continuously put out Nemanja Matic, Fred, and Scott McTominay. I've been a big McTominay hater, and I, I stand by that. I think that guy could play at Newcastle or anywhere else, but he's not someone that is going to be on a big six team. I'm sorry. I hope Scott doesn't listen to the things that I have to say about him, but he seems like the prototypical like Newcastle center midfielder or one of those guys, but should not be playing. I don't understand why. Van de Beek still can't crack the lineup. I think he's, you know, that's the role that he would be playing, and they just seem to keep trotting out these guys that really provide nothing, in my opinion. Uh, so I'm I'm still flustered about that one. And overall, I think he's having a hard time trying to figure out how to manage his lineup and get all these star players in. There's a lot of egos in this team now. I'm sure the egos don't seem like much because all the guys are smiling at practice and stuff, but... You know, deep down, besides Van de Beek, all these other guys want to play. And I think he's having a hard time trying to rotate guys in and out in the lineup. Something that Thomas Tuchel has done so well with with Chelsea. Something that Pep has done so well with Manchester City. And I think he's going to have a hard time doing that. It seems like the buttons that he's trying to press are not working. And looking ahead to Manchester United's schedule... I touched on this. They have a home game coming up against Liverpool this weekend. It's going to be at Old Trafford. The hot seat is starting to heat up. I think Liverpool is a better team at the moment. I think Liverpool are going to go on and win that game. They also have their Champions League match against Atlanta. Very important after losing that first match to Young Boys that they get another win. They had that Villarreal win, but really key match that Atlanta is also going to be very hungry for. They've had a drop in form in the Champions League but they will be hungry for that one. And it does not get easier for them. They have that Liverpool game, then they travel to Tottenham, and then they play City at home, and then Watford, Chelsea, Arsenal. So they're in this gauntlet of a stretch, and they could really slip behind very quickly. I'm I'm a little nervous for them. I'm a little nervous for Manchester United fans, I think. I think this could spiral a little bit, especially if this game against Liverpool does not go well over the weekend. At what point do you, you know, pull the trigger and say Ali's out? I don't know. I think the leash is still longer than we all think. He signed that extension, but the leash is starting to heat up. And I've seen some reports say from not valid sources, I guess, but some of those big Manchester United talk pages on Twitter that Ronaldo said he's trying to get Zidane to come and people are talking about starting Cavani over Ronaldo and it just seems like a big mess I've also seen rumors that there's going to be another protest by the fans this upcoming Sunday so it just seems like a lot of turmoil it seems like I don't know what's going to happen here I don't know what's going to happen Sunday I hope there's another protest I don't think there needs to be another protest I want to watch the game we all want to watch the game 
But yeah, there's just a lot of issues going on. And I also saw someone on Twitter today tweet this Ali experiment reminds me of the Frank Lampard experiment. And then when they brought in the right manager, everything clicked and everything worked out well. And I think that tweet that I read today was finally the tweet that opened my eyes up a little bit more because as we all know, I've been an Ali stand, but things are changing and I, yeah, that, 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 that's all I got for it. If any Manchester United fans feel differently about that, if they like the formation, if they don't like the formation, please let me know. But yeah, I don't like the formation. I don't like the players she's picking. The last thing I will touch up on, Harry Maguire, who had a really good campaign in the Euro this summer, returning back to that form where you don't understand where he got paid all this money from. That goal that they gave up to Leicester was absolutely awful. The defense looked terrible against Leicester to be able to tie up the game and literally not maybe 30 seconds later give up another goal. It was just, it was brutal. The defense has been, the thing that's been lacking the past couple of years has been their defending. He keeps starting Victor Lindelof. I don't understand why Victor Lindelof ever sees the field in the Manchester United jersey again, but he's in the lineup they let up four. That was just a brutal, brutal display of defending that that game. And the goals that they got, one was a moment of absolute brilliance by Mason Greenwood, one of the best young players in the game. And, you know, just it was just one of those moments where he, he took people on and he made things happen on his own. The second goal was a nice goal, nice ball over the top. Marcus Rashford, good to see him back. It's a goal. But other than that, the build-up play is very... Meh, Jaden Sancho looks like he still needs time to adjust the league, and the defending is just, it's just terrible. It's terrible. I'm looking at their goals against record, and you look at these big teams. Liverpool let up three of their goals in one game to Brentford. Chelsea's let up three goals. City's let up three goals. Manchester United, ten goals. Obviously, four coming in the same game, but it's just not a record that's going to, you know, take you into the promised land a a team that you have ready to win now a team that should have no problem being top two right now but here we are they're sitting in sixth place five points out and like I said they have this gauntlet coming up and I think they could really find themselves hurting in a couple weeks come December time so hopefully that's not the case for United fans but I don't know we'll see what happens that's my Ali talk. That is my Manchester United rant. I hope I did not bore you. I hope I did not anger anyone. And, you know, I'm sure most of you are actually probably happy now that my eyes have opened. And it seems like I was wrong. It seems like the Ali experiment is failing. Uh, Yeah, we'll move on. The next topic of conversation that I have is this Chelsea Mendy. This was unbelievable. He ends up Saving the game for them. I talked about how important Alisson was today for Liverpool in that Atletico matchup. But Chelsea in a one nothing victory over Brentford and arguably could have lost that game easily 3-4-1. to But Mendy with phenomenal world-class keeping. He keeps the shutout. All the players are thanking him after the game. He saves that bicycle kick. I thought that was going to be a goal. He's taking shots off his face. Just overall, he put in an absolute master class and... A really interesting rumor that I saw on Twitter were that they had the option to sign Gianluigi Donnarumma. The board decided that they wanted to trust Mendy after how well he played after last season. And 
here we are, and he's playing phenomenal. Another shutout. This guy has just been rock solid at the back for them, and seems like they finally got the right goalie in place for the next few years. The Kepa experiment is over, and I, you know that choice that they made, deciding to stick with Eduard after a good season, seems to be paying off because he's playing fantastic. Uh, ben Chilwell with the goal, and they end up winning one nothing in the game that. Seems like every time Brentford play, they're going to give people problems. I thought they easily could have won that game. They drew Liverpool 3-3 a few weeks ago. So they're not going to be an easy out for any of these big teams. And that's exciting. That's what you want to see out of some of these smaller sides, especially when you play at Brentford. You know that that stadium is going to be rocking, and they're giving me those Sheffield United vibes of a few seasons ago. So I'm really happy for Brentford. Unfortunate that they... Couldn't get it one past the Edward Mendy, but overall, Chelsea, they stay up top. They are in first place in the Prem by one point. Three goals allowed, 16 goals for Romelu Lukaku has not scored in a few appearances. Uh, I'm not reading too deep into that. I'm sure those goals will come for him. They play tomorrow. I think they have Malmo. They do have Malmo tomorrow. And then a, a, a nice cakewalk. At the upcoming weekend against Norwich, Norwich, brutal, brutal, brutal. They're in last place, not not looking good for Norwich. They look like easily the worst team in the league. So Chelsea, I expect them to come away with that one. Got Newcastle coming up. They got a pretty nice stretch of games before the Thanksgiving time, and then we'll see what they got going on for that. But overall, Chelsea, I'm keeping them in second place. They grind out a one nothing win. Uh, second place in my power rankings, obviously. First place in the league. I'm keeping them there. No changes there. Uh, I will touch base on my overall power ranking changes at the end of the episode. Manchester United are going to be slipping down for me a little bit, but I'll give you my exact spot towards the end of the episode. We have not had an episode since the Newcastle news broke. They did get bought out by the Saudis, and man, that that is a lot of money. Um I think in total assets, this Saudi group that bought the team is over $300 billion worth of assets. And to put that in the retrospect, the Manchester City owner has about $30 billion. So they got stupid money. They got oil money. And the, the biggest things that I wanted to talk about, I'm not going to talk about their gameplay over the weekend. I think they end up losing over the weekend to Spurs, I think in a 3-1 game. Uh, but I want to just focus a little bit here on this new ownership and what that means for the Premier League. The Premier League apparently signed some documents. I don't know how this all works out because I, I can't read the documents, but apparently they did some things to make sure that the Saudi government doesn't actually own the team. Very just just weird, but I am happy for Newcastle fans. They're some of the best fans in the league. And they kind of are a sleeping giant. They have a really good fan base, one of the bigger cities in the country. St. James's Park is a great place to be. And in that aspect, I'm happy. And I know some people that are not as familiar with soccer just think, oh, they're going to be able to buy everyone. They're going to be like the Dodgers and the Yankees. But that's not going to be the case. It's going to be a process that you have to make sure you do it right. Manchester City are obviously the blueprints for that. And I think... Some of the things that go unnoticed with the Manchester City runs that they had, you know, in the earlier part of the 2010s, the earlier part of the decade, which is also weird to think about that 
It happened so long ago, but they got that good crop of players that rode it out with the team for so long, Aguero, Yaya, Torre, all those guys, and they start, you know, getting the team back up there. But the thing that goes on notice the most for me is the amount of money they invested into developing their youth academies and the resources and time they put into those youth academies. And now you're starting to see that pay off. You see Phil Foden making his debuts and playing super well. And now Cole Palmer scored today for them, a great moment for him and being so young and coming from their academies. And I think for Newcastle, they're really going to have to focus on just investing in the new facilities, investing in anything possible to get those youth academies up because you can't just go out and buy players. You have to finish top four. People want to play in the Champions League. People want to play in the Europa League. So it's not just going to be, oh, we have money, let's buy people. This is going to be a process, and it's going to take a while. It could even take 15, 20 years before we see the full effects of it. But I think it's exciting. I'm still a little skeptical on this ownership group, but I, I, I'm going to put that to bed for now. We'll see how it goes, but it is exciting. I think, like I said, Newcastle have a great fan base. They are all super pumped about it, and yeah, it's just it's going to be a process that they have to make sure they do it right. They have to make sure that they take their time with it. They don't try to rush things because if they just buy whoever they want and they aren't the right players for the club, it's not going to go well. You have to get these young players, this academy, get, get it going get these guys called up, and I think that's how you get Newcastle back towards their winning ways of back in the day. So it's exciting. I'm excited for them, and, yeah, we'll, we'll see what they can do. Let's see what I have on my notes. Spurs-Arsenal talk. This is what I have on my notes for Spurs-Arsenal talk. Um, for Spurs, they're not moving up too much in my power rankings. They did end up beating Newcastle over the weekend. Still too reliant on Son and Kane for my liking. They end up scoring a goal each. And, yeah, I just, I don't know. That team, the ownership group, the board, the people that are putting the players into the team, they've had two of the best players in the Premier League for, I don't know how many years now. Son and Kane have just been running through people. It seems like forever now, but... They've had all this time to put more resources into the team, bring better players in, and they just haven't. And until I see that, although they are sitting a little bit higher in the table than in my power rankings, I just can't can't move them up. I think if they played West Ham tomorrow, I think West Ham would win. I think if they played Everton tomorrow, I think Everton would win tomorrow. I do like Nuno. I think... He's a good bridge coach. I don't know if he's the good long-term coach, but for now, I do like Nuno. They're coming off two big wins. I'm going to have to take into consideration that win against Austin Villa. Obviously, Austin Villa I placed a little bit higher, but I also made these power rankings after that match, so we'll see what I do with that. But, yeah, they get the 3-2 win, and I don't know. I just I can't buy in. Maybe someone can talk me into it. Maybe someone can talk me into Tottenham finishing top four. Maybe someone can talk me into them finishing top six, but I just can't see it. They got a negative goal differential, one of the only teams in the top ten to have a negative goal differential. So I just I can't see it. If anyone else can see it, please 
please let me know. Please share your thoughts with me. Please share your thoughts with Patrick. I know he's down on Tottenham at the moment too, but there's just not enough quality in that team for me to really buy into it. So that's that's my thought process behind it. It's it's too reliant on those star players, and I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they could do. As far as Arsenal goes, late drama. They get a late draw. Lacazette scores in the 95th minute. Aubameyang scores. Uh, you know, you... You leave that game a little bit happy just given the late game drama, but at the end of the day, this team, they draw 2-2, and I don't have too much to add on them either. It seems like that's just a regular day for them at this point. You know, if you're uh, a Chelsea or Liverpool or Manchester City, you're going to be pretty disappointed with that result there, but for Arsenal's current sake of business to... Get a late draw, I guess you, you got to be a little bit happier. You know, the emotion's running high, and you get a draw. So I don't have too much to add about them either. It's just weird stages in the life of Spurs and Arsenal fans. Arsenal sitting 12th in the table, nowhere near my top 10 in the power rankings. Um, just It's just not good enough. They got a big match coming up Friday against Austin Villa because they didn't have anything to play during the week. So as far as this awesome Villa game goes, I, I think I might have to take an awesome Villa bet here. We'll see what happens. My bets have been pretty ice cold, unfortunately, and that is a frustrating thing. Not, not happy about that, but we'll see if we could get that turned around soon. Pretty unfortunate with the bets, too. I had Wolves losing this past weekend, I believe. Let me pull this up. I had two bets. One ended up in a 0-0 draw. The other was a 2-0 choke job. And they not only choked the job. Let's have this pulled up. Yes, I had Austin Villa beating Wolves at home. Austin Villa goes up 2-0. And they not only choked the lead, they end up losing the game. Three goals in the last 10 minutes. That about sums up. My soccer bets lately, they lit up three goals in the 80th, 85th minute, and the 95th minute. So, unlucky there. That's just the way the cookie crumbles, as my cousin Eddie told me this weekend. But, yeah, other results around the league. West Ham won nothing victory over Everton. Big result for West Ham. They scored in the 74th minute. And uh, for, for Everton, still struggling with some injuries. They played this game pretty tight. I think West Ham did deserve to end up winning that game from what I watched. Obviously, the big result for Leicester. Some great goals for Leicester. Jamie Vardy does Jamie Vardy things with a sweet volley to give them the lead there. Patsandaka finally gets on the goal-scoring sheets for them. And uh, I think they think that touches everything. Brighton draw Norwich. Disappointing for Brighton given how strong they've been this year. Leads one nothing loss on the road to Southampton. Not too surprised there. They're just an inconsistent team. And, yeah, that wraps it up. Newcastle drop. We take a look at the top four. Brighton still sitting fourth. Chelsea up top. Liverpool and Man City in third. And looking at the bottom, Norwich. Poor Norwich. The Canaries, they always seem to do this. They get moved up and immediately move back down. And... It, it's not looking good for them. Uh, Burnley and Newcastle round out the bottom. And Leeds, only three points up. They only got one win. 
in three draws, so things are going to need to change for Marcelo Bielsa's guys. Quickly here, I will touch base on my updated power rankings. I know everyone cares so much about my power rankings, but here we are. I'm keeping Liverpool up top. I know Chelsea sit up top, but just given the way Liverpool are playing in the Champions League, given how difficult the group is, I'm going to give them the edge. They have a big 5 nothing victory, and I think they get the best player in the prom, so I'm going to keep them one. Chelsea stay two. City, I'm going to keep three. Tough decision there for me. I City could easily be one or two, depending on how you see it, but I'm going to have to keep them there. Um, rounding out four, I'm not going to have Manchester United in my four. I had them in my four coming into this past weekend. They are dropping uh, a couple spots here. I'm going to put... West Ham in fourth, I think on any given day, West Ham can go out and beat any of these teams. I think if they play their best brand of football, I think they truly can compete with anyone in this league. So I'm going to put West Ham fourth. I think they do have a team that could, you know, I think they could finish top four when it's all said and done. They're still playing well in the Europa League. So I'm going to put them fourth in fifth place. I'm going to put Manchester United, I think, right now. They sit sixth place in the table. Disappointing results. I I think that's the right spot to put them at. I think you could make the argument to keep them at four. I think you can make the argument to lower them. So I'm going to leave them at five. I think I think this weekend is going to be the biggest weekend of Manchester United football in a long time. I think it's really going to set the tone for what direction this team is going in with all these star players that they have, I think it's going to set the direction up for the rest of the season. If they suffer a big defeat, it's going to be tough to come back from. So I'm going to keep them five with the potential to move up, with the potential to move down after this upcoming weekend. Just like all these teams, I guess that sounded a little dumb, but yeah, just weird, weird place for Manchester United to be in right now. So that's fifth. And sixth, I'm going to keep it with Everton. They're grinding these injuries out. They sit in eighth place, 14 points, only a few points off the top four. So I'm going to I'm gonna throw them there. I think they're playing well with all these injuries that they have. And I think it's just unfortunate because I think if this team is fully healthy, I think this team could easily be sitting top four right now. They sit one point back, so uh, it's really tight at the top four. I don't think this team can compete to end up getting a, a title this year. I think their resources and time need to be focused on some of those other cups. Obviously, they are out of the Carabao Cup, so the FA Cup draw coming up in a few weeks is going to be important for them. Uh, newcomer, I'm going to put... Oh, I guess that's not a newcomer. I'm stupid. In seventh place, I'm putting Brighton. I'm moving them up one spot. And I had them in eighth, but I'm going to move them up. I know they just drew Norwich, but they sit in fourth place right now. And that can't be overlooked. This team is a, is a pesky opponent, and I'm going to put them seventh. Eighth, Spurs do bump up two spots. Really tough for me because I really don't like Spurs. And I, I just really don't like what they're doing. But they're sit. Sitting in fifth place, I believe, in the table. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I will move them up to eighth. Uh, going down ninth. Austin Villa drops down two spots for me. They sit ninth. And then in tenth place, this is one that I've had to think about a little bit. 
do I keep Brentford? Do I not? I'm going to keep Brentford in 10th. And that will round it out. I feel like I skipped the spot, so maybe they're higher than I usually thought. But like I said, I wanted to keep this one quick. I wanted to just give everyone a quick little update on where my mind was at with some of these teams. I hope I didn't bore you. I've never talked to myself for over 30 minutes now, and I hope I didn't stutter too much. But thank you all for listening. Please follow us at on the pitch pod on twitter hopefully we can return to normal soon and you don't have to hear my voice for so long and we can get back to some of those segments that we really started to enjoy so thank you all for listening tune in to the champions league tomorrow tune into the Golasso show and big weekend coming up for those red devils thank you